Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Sav. I'm Savannah, digital creator, tarot reader, entrepreneur, and podcast host. On the show, we get real and expose the unfiltered experiences of life. Are you ready for all this? Let's get started. Hello, festival fam. Happy Friday. I am so happy to be back. I was on a very mini hiatus for the past week or and a half or so from Behind the Scenes with Sav, and I'm so happy to be jumping back in with this Nocturnal Wonderland review. So I am fresh off a of festival, not even a week ago, landed from Nocturnal, gathered myself and my thoughts, caught up on sleep, because you know how camping festivals will do that to you, and we are back. So I hope you all are doing wonderful. I hope that you've had an easy transition into fall as we round the corner into the holidays, all of that jazz. I'm sure we'll have a regularly scheduled episode on those shenanigans, but Festival Fridays is all about that, the Festival Friday energy. Any of my recaps go here, festivals experience, tips, guides, tricks, Uh, interviews with people in the festival and rave community are all going to be here on Fridays. And honestly, who knows, this may become the dominant niche on my podcast, just based off of the numbers I'm seeing and how I personally feel about making this type of content. It really is lighting me up a little more than the Wednesday episodes currently. So we'll see how the path unfolds. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this Nocturnal Wonderland 2022 recap and review. I went ahead and broke down this review into categories to make it easy for me to communicate to you and for you to receive and follow along with as a listener. So far as for Nocturnal, we're gonna go ahead and start out with the venue. For those of you who don't know, Nocturnal Wonderland is held in Southern California. It is Insomniac's only camping festival here in California. And it is also Insomniac's first ever rave. 25 years ago, they started with their first event called Nocturnal Wonderland. And that really was the flame that lit the match. And here we are today. It's evolved and grown bigger and is now a camping festival that they have here every year. This venue is special because it's held at Glen Helen Nature Reserve over in the San Bernardino Mountains. If you're from SoCal, if you're a California raver, you know that most of our events are held at the National Orange Show Event Center in San Bernardino, which is basically just a big parking lot at a fairgrounds. <laughs> so you're on asphalt, it's hot, um, there aren't really any trees or nature elements, the surrounding area is a little bit seedy, it's just a lot of warehouses and and not the best. So while we're grateful for the Nas because it has consistent events and it's somewhat easy to navigate to, it's not very aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> they do their best, but it is nice to have uh, a nature element, especially if you're going to be doing something for multiple days. So Glen Helen is where they have Nocturnal Wonderland and it's in the mountains. It's not so high up like San Bar- Santa Barbara mountains, um, but it's a nice little change up from the vibes that we normally get. So I really love Glen Helen. It's got a beautiful lake. It's kind of nestled on the mountainside. You get a wonderful sunset view when you're in the festival overlooking out from the highest stage. Beautiful mountains. The air feels crisp. The campgrounds have plenty of trees. And it's just, it's it's a really nice place to spend a weekend. So I love that about Nocturnal. It's their only event that they have there. And it's really special. 
So switching gears a little bit from the venue to the actual campground. So like I mentioned, Nocturnal is a camping festival. Of course, you're welcome to buy a single day tickets or a two day ticket and either stay in a hotel or an Airbnb or just drive in and out each day. But I highly recommend camping and we'll get into the reasons behind that in just a little while. But the campground itself, I will give you a little rundown of all of the benefits from camping and the kind of features that they have there. So you have five different types of campgrounds within, or I guess, campsites within the campgrounds. This is lakeside camping, waterfront camping, not really sure how those two are different, but they're available. Tent camping, car camping. Here you're able to drive your car straight up into your spot and then unload your things right from your car into your campsite. That's what we did. It was chef's kiss, super easy, such a dream. And then uh, the fifth and final type of campsite you can reserve is an RV campsite. And of course, again, you drive your RV up to wherever your parking spot is and you don't even have to unload anything because everything's in your RV and you're living the life. Those are the five categories and uh, all of these categories hold multiple people. I believe car and RV sites hold the most six and seven people or seven and eight people. And then the rest of the options lakeside waterfront and tent you can have up to four people so you're able to split the cost of the site with the people in your group and make it really cost effective and keep in mind that this is a spot for three nights so you're able to arrive as early as friday 10 a.m they offer a campgrounds pre-party until like three in the morning or something like that and then the festival is saturday night and sunday night and then you return home on monday morning Benefits to the campgrounds are choosing to camp and stay on site. You get in and out privileges to the festival, which is nice. And I feel like this is actually a benefit because it's not that big of a campsite or that big of a festival. So it is totally realistic that you're able to go back to the tent and change into your night outfit or go back to your campsite and pregame a little bit. Like that is is doable uh, versus somewhere like EDC or... Uh, imagine or lost lands like it just i haven't been to either of those events but i have seen vlogs and those campsites are massive or like tomorrowland for example like no way is anyone walking back to their tent at tomorrowland to grab a jacket like it's just not happening you know but at nocturnal it's small enough to where having in and out privileges makes sense and you're actually able to use it without losing too much time Another feature of camping on site are uh, the food vendors, of course. They've got good food vendors. They had more this year, which I was really excited about. For those of you who haven't seen or listened to my last episode about what to bring to Nocturnal and all of that, this was my fifth Nocturnal. So I have been to this event quite a few times. I've camped every single time, and I was very pleasantly surprised that there were more food vendors, more vegan-friendly food vendors, and actually one entirely vegan food vendor shout out veggie fam la appreciate you guys uh and so there's food vendors in the campsite as well as merchandise of course and then they have the things that you can actually buy as far as like critter clips and fun blankets and jackets and and all types of festival and rave you know trinkets and accessories that actually is new they didn't used to have a accessories and clothing vendor area they only had food and merch and then of course like the info booth and the paramedics and things like that but they didn't have a 
clothing and accessories vendor area and that was new this year and I thought that was great. In addition to all of that, you also have the Silent Disco, which we'll get into in a moment, but the Silent Disco is held at the campgrounds and it's only accessible to those that are camping or those that are in possession of a camping wristband. You have activities in the daytime. Uh, they have daily yoga. On Saturday, they had two classes for yoga, which was awesome. They also have uh, shuffling classes and hair braiding and candy making classes and something else. They had a few different offers for camp activities in the daytime. And then, of course, you have your showers, which are free, I'd like to note, because I know at Electric Forest this year, they charged about $10 a shower, which I think is ridiculous. So just know that at Nocturnal, at least presently, the they, showers are free. And then there's a water park, which I didn't get a chance to enjoy this year. But I mean, don't get your hopes up. It's not like Raging Waters or Soak City, but it does have two slides. And there is a big kind of wading pool. I think it gets maybe like waist high. People bring floaties, things like that. And it's a nice, it's in a nice part of the nature reserve that's really shaded and has trees. So if you're not lucky enough to snag a tent spot under a tree, you could easily enjoy cooler weather, take a shaded nap, do a little shaded yoga up at the water park because it's a really beautiful area with lots of trees and grass. The only thing about the water park that I think is interesting to note, and it feeds into one of my points later on in the show, is that alcohol or drinks are not permitted. So you can't walk into the water park freely with any food or drinks. Um, And that's the only place in the campgrounds where you can't walk in or around freely with your things, which I thought was interesting. If you choose to stay off site, you have a few options. Of course, Airbnbs, although keep in mind this is a small area nestled in the mountains of San Bernardino so your options might not be that plentiful or hotels and the closest options for hotels are going to be down the hill at Ontario which is where you would typically book a hotel if you're staying at the NOS Center. Ontario is about a 30 20 to 30 minute drive down the mountain so that would be something you have to consider either driving up from your hotel or booking a shuttle. I know that Insomniac sets up an Ontario shuttle as well. Keep in mind, though, the shuttles for this event are only have one time. So they have one time where they arrive to pick you guys up and take you up the mountain, and they have one departure time after the festival is over. It's not continuous like EDC or shuttles that they run for the NAS Center. It, it really is you're there at two or you miss the boat. The last option for stays if you are not camping would be to uh, check out Radiate. Radiate is a festival forum app it's great for meeting people new wraith fam trading candy trading ideas linking up with people who are going to festivals and your specific festival and i saw lots of posts there looking to fill spots in their airbnbs or looking to split the cost for hotels so that could be an option as well if you're looking at other things to check out besides camping next we'll briefly cover parking and uh, we had we didn't have issues with parking but there's just some a few things I'd like to know. So first know that if you're driving into the festival each day, parking is free, although it's not overnight and the festival ends at midnight. So I think you can be or hang out in that area until like two or three before they say they start towing. I can't verify what time they start towing or if they even do, but it is listed on the website. So that's just something to note. Overnight parking uh, is an additional fee. And this is where it gets fuzzy because as a group that had car camping on the website, it states that, of course, you have the spot 
for your car that you're bringing your stuff into and parking in the campgrounds, right? And unloading from that. And then each car camping spot also has an additional parking spot offsite in the parking lot for other members of your group. They encourage everyone to arrive together, but if not, every car camping spot does have an additional spot included. When we had another member of our group join us at a later time and try to park, he was told that it was an additional $75 cost, which was insane. I was sending him screenshots of the Insomniac website to show the customer service rep who was helping him that never stated anything about purchasing or cost, no link to buy an additional pass. Like, I don't know where the disconnect was. My friend ended up just paying that cost so he could like move on with his night and start getting set up. But I was really upset because you're never going to catch me paying upwards of $70 for something that I was told was included by. So that's definitely a ding on Insomniac. Usually they're great and like pretty seamless with all their logistics, but there, we had disconnect with parking and, and our friends that were coming in from outside of the festival. We had a few things come up around that. So just know what's stated might not actually be what unfolds. So make sure that you have everything you need or set yourself up ahead of time with either the right facts or the right emails or uh, confirmation numbers to present because it seems like there's communication issues there or at least we experience them, which means, you know, just be prepared. So now that we've got the logistics covered and the basics, let's go ahead and move into the actual experience. So I have these categories broken down uh, into a few. So we've got stages, we'll cover the crowd, outfits, and then I'll go into the pros and cons of the festival, and then we'll wrap up. So first off, let's start with the stages. Uh, So you have main stage, which is called Wolf's Den, and that's right when you enter the festival. If you're staying on site at the campgrounds, that's right when you enter the festival. If you're coming in from the parking lot and you're driving in each day, then that is going to be on your right down the hill. So you've got Wolf's Den, which is main stage. Next to Wolf's Den, you've got Sunken Garden, which is really cool. That's more of the house techno dance EDM stage, although you're going to get some of that at main stage, but it's a little bit smaller and the music is more niche, I would say. And then up top at the hill, you have Labyrinth, which gears and leans more towards your base stage, if I were going to give it a general category. They also have, which we discovered this year, a hidden house stage, which was noted as the Rave Cave. So cool. That could be found after you enter the festival from the campgrounds. If the main stage was on your left, the rave cave was on your right and it was super small. You walk in and it's this beautiful glow painted room and they give you <laughs> they give you 3D glasses and all of the the pictures start kind of popping out and and the room looks 3D which was so cool. And then a little further into the cave was an art car and there was a DJ just killing it. It wasn't listed anywhere. There was no lineup to look at. It was really just something mysterious to stumble upon and every time i walked in there it was packed i didn't discover it until the end of day one 
But after that, I definitely visited it a few times because I love house and I love surprises like that at festivals. I love things to discover and uncover. So that was really cool. So if you count that little guy, the rave cave, there's a total of four stages or four areas to listen to music. I would say the stages overall were really great. They There were some sound issues up at Labyrinth. If you're not familiar with Nocturnal, it, it is, of course, in the mountains. And the terrain slopes. So it's an incremental increase between stages. So it's like you enter on flat ground at Wolfsden, you go up a little hill for Sunken Garden, and then you go up a big hill like, like we're hiking like take some deep inhales and exhales to get your booty up there (laughs) and that's where labyrinth is aka the base stage so up top at labyrinth beautiful views um lots of grass which was nice on the lower stages it was mostly dirt but up top at labyrinth the sound was a little bit distorted and it didn't sound very loud and i thought i was like uh immediately i was thinking to myself like oh no they're having some sound issues up here maybe because it's up higher significantly higher than all the other stages and the wind was kind of crazy so i thought that might be affecting the sound i wasn't sure so we didn't spend too much time up there on day one because of that and then on day two before the festival started i ran into one of my good friends who was working in the festival and she had some interviews up at labyrinth and she said oh no it does sound funky from the side but you have to be directly in front of the stage or in front but like back a little bit kind of where the the sound production for the stage happens the people who are controlling like the effects and all of that uh, that is the best place to view the stage and get the immersive sound and so with that tip when we checked it out on day two it was better but if you don't know that (laughs) you know you you would leave thinking that there were some issues uh at that stage so that's the only note i'm gonna make about the stages as far as sound goes but design beautiful sunken garden looks like this beautiful moroccan lantern that's the best way i could describe it or what it reminds me of and they have uh lights kind of popping through all of the cutouts on the back of the stage which is really cool the bass went so heavy at that stage i was surprised not that the music was bass heavy but just the the sound of the bass was really bold and uh, immersive. I was vibing (laughs) unexpectedly (laughs) to the bass at that stage, which was fun. Uh, It's not very wide, so I found that that stage went back a lot farther than the other two stages. It's a little bit more narrow, but I mean, aside from that, it, it's still it's still great, and I had a lot of fun there when I when I caught sets at Sunken. And then of course you have Wolds Den, which is going to be the biggest stage. It's it's wide, pretty massive. You have food and drink vendors on the left side of it. Uh, right behind it is the Rave Cave, and sound was good, vibes were good, lights and effects and and lasers and visuals and all of that was good across the board. Moving on to the next category, we have the crowd. So I would say that the crowd geared a little, I don't want to say older because it's like no one is old, but I would say the crowd was maybe mid to late 20s and upwards at the camp. Uh, And the crowd was definitely a little bit younger in the festival, which was interesting. So, I'm, I mean, this could be due to a few reasons. It could be because the cost of camping plus a ticket is a little bit higher, depending on how you're doing it, uh, than just buying a ticket and mobbing in with your friends every day. Uh, and it's like the flexibility, maybe, of scheduling. I'm not really sure, but I did notice that in the festival, I, I noticed more 
more young people, I would say 18-year-olds to like 25-year-olds. Not that they were overwhelmingly, there was an overwhelming amount of them. I've just noticed more of them in the festival. Um, but at the campgrounds, like sure, there were people in that age range, but I would say that it, it definitely was a little bit older than I was expecting, like mid to late 20s. Uh, and upwards I would say to like 40s ish maybe you know a little older if you spent time in the RV camp and like you know they were like set up set up like a little older had some money had some wisdom on how to do it right I'm sure you could find that group in the RV camps but for the most part that was just what I noticed but overall aside from like age um, of course diverse amount of people variety of people I didn't see one group uh, that was predominant, meaning like type of music lover. So like, you know how there are some shows that are geared towards bass heads, some shows that are geared towards house kitties, things like that, candy kids. It was a definitely a, a, a mix, bass, house, techno. And that makes perfect sense because this festival, I believe, is a perfect mix of those. Each stage pretty much gives you, covers those bases, if you will. And it was pretty mixed for the most part. Vibes were great. Super kind people at the campground. Our neighbors introduced themselves right away, which was nice. Uh, people were willing to help and look out for one another, which, I mean, you come to expect, but that's not always present. And so the vibes were definitely strong in the camp, at least. Nothing but kind, positive interactions from staff, from security, from insomniac staff, and of course, like headliners as well. So that was great. Everything at the camp was cool. Water refill stations were great. Bathrooms were tended to. There was only a handful of times that I was in a porta potty that like really needed help. But for the most part, they were pretty on top of making sure those were cleared out multiple times a day or at least once a day, which I mean is, is absolutely necessary. So I was happy to, to see that that was being done. I can't really speak to uh, food vendor lines because we did the whole campsite experience this year, meaning like we brought a little camp kitchen, we brought a cooler with food and drinks and kind of set ourselves up to do our own thing at our campsite. So I only bought one meal in the campgrounds like at a food vendor but other than that all the other food that i consumed was something that we had brought and prepared so i can't speak too much to the vendor lines but they didn't look extraordinarily long for the most part um which was nice because if you've listened to my what not to bring to nocturnal and other reviews and things that i've mentioned that can be very long so i was happy to see that they had more hopefully that offset the length of time that people had to wait. The shower lines were better this year, but I don't think they were better because they were better. I think I chose more strategic times to take a shower and that really paid off. I think the longest shower line that I waited in was about half an hour or so, which is way better. Last year, it was an hour, like solid. And every time I walked by a shower line, it looked to be about that long. So this year, I didn't notice it to be that long, but like I mentioned, I also went at better times. So I, I definitely think that offset the weight for sure. Moving on to outfits. So the outfits, uh, there's a range of outfits. Uh, check my Instagram if you want to see what I wore at Savannah Ishara. But I saw so many different outfits. I mean, you have your typical like ravers, rave gear. Um, you have your typical headbanger, bass head, jersey, 
bucket hat vibe. You have your typical shirtless bros and gym bros and all the, the, you know, the styles that you see were definitely present. I didn't see that there was predominantly one style or fashion or one trend going which is nice. Um, Super all-inclusive, everybody wearing everything. I tend to lean more ravey sexy. I I had a rave baby this year. One of my really good friends, shout out Dorothy, uh, she flew in all the way from out of state to to come to this. This is her very first rave festival anything. She didn't even look at the Nocturnal website, (laughs) which is crazy to me because I'm like, I'm little miss. I need to know everything. I need to I need to look at the menu before I order. I need to know exactly like where I'm going to be sitting. Like I'm that person. So the fact that she just blindly trusted me, I guess based off of my festival content and like knowing that I I do this and I do this pretty well. She was like, "Honestly, I just bought the ticket and you sent me your Amazon list and I just bought what you told me to buy." Like, I didn't look at the Instagram, I didn't look at the website, I didn't look at anything. Like, I wanted to be surprised. I'm just looking at her like, wow, like, thank you for trusting me. But also like, you know, how was your experience? And she had a great experience. It was so sweet to have someone that I've had other people that I've kind of brought into my festival fam and introduced them to, you know, their first raver festival or whatever. But Dorothy actually like trusted me and followed my guidelines and my tips and like all the things that I share with you guys, like she actually took those into account. So it was really easy to to guide her and help set her up to have the best time. And so that made me happy as a teacher and a guide. And then it also was great for her because then she was following my my guidance and it was working out for her. Like she bought a lunchbox, which isn't necessary, but definitely helpful. And I taught her how to use it. The, it's the anti-theft hydration pack if you're not familiar with a lunchbox. Um, we traded candy. We made candy at my house before we went out. And she had no idea about candy culture, trading bracelets, plur, any of that. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I thought I thought you knew. So I gave her the rundown. I saw I saw her trade her first candy. And tell me why her first candy ever. We're in line for the pre-party, day zero, talking to some people behind us. They're really cool. Dorothy mentions that it's her first rave. And the girl she's talking to gets excited and goes, oh, my gosh, let's trade candy. So then Dorothy's eyes get all big because, like, this is the moment she's prepared for, right? Like, she, the girl made, like, 15 candy bracelets and if you know if you've ever made candy you know how long one bracelet can take especially if you're trying to like spell out something so dorothy put so much intention and love and care into each for candy knocked out a bunch in like a day and had this whole her whole wrist was stacked i was teasing her her wrist was stacked and jacked with candy i was like girl like leave some for the rest of us like you're really out here just like the candy queen but she she was ready for that moment so she looks at me like oh my god my first candy trade and i'm looking at her like oh my gosh your first candy trade and they trade candy and i kid you not the very first bracelet that she's ever received in her whole rave festival experience life says rave baby on it can you believe that what are the chances of that like talk about synchronicity and serendipity like out of all the phrases, all the candy, all the everything, what are the chances that the girl is going to trade her a rave baby, has a rave baby candy, and then trades it to her? Beautiful. So, And synchronistic moments kept unfolding like that. So it was really cool to see. I really felt like a rave parent, and like my rave baby was like experiencing like the, the rave world for the first time. So it was really special to help her have fun and to set her up for a great experience, and then to experience it with one of my good friends, like 
We love to see it. So anyway, aside from all of that, I'm, I'm deviating from the outfits, but pretty much anything goes. The weather is really great at Nocturnal, which is nice because it gives you a range of outfits you can wear. You don't have to be super bundled. You also don't have to be super naked because it's so, so hot. So you can fall in the middle. Layers are definitely your friend. However, it was like 80, mid 80s in the day, but dropped to like high 50s, low 60s at night with wind. So that's definitely something to consider. Layered up the whole weekend and that really served me well. So as long as you have an outfit that you can layer up or remove layers, you'll be good to go. There isn't anything specific you really have to prepare for as far as outfits, which is nice. I would say if you're arriving super early in the day or at camp, make sure that you have a hat or a visor or something because the sun can be pretty intense. And then at night, make sure that you have at minimum a pashmina and a pair of leggings in your bag. At maximum, a jacket (laughs) or a fur jacket or a long sleeve or something so by the time you get back to camp you can like bundle up more but overall yeah weather was easy uh terrain i mentioned it's very sloped platforms are no go ladies i mean i saw plenty of girls with platforms i just don't think they were dancing very much or walking very far if you listen to my previous (laughs) nocturnal content I showed you pictures and clips of me falling. It's kind of dangerous. Like, it's it's very slope and steeped and hilly. And, you know, you look hot and kicking ass, taking names, but you really can't, like, full out enjoy the festival if you're in platforms. So I stayed in combat boots all weekend. I had a little bit of FOMO because I love the attitude and the confidence that platforms bring. But I also was able to move and dance and shake my body all weekend. And and that really is what I came to do. So I was happy with that. Okay, and to wrap up this episode, let's go ahead and cover the pros and cons. So I have quite a few, way more pros than cons, but the cons are definitely something to note. I like to do this to give people an accurate understanding of the benefits and disadvantages, and if there are any festival insiders or people in the festival space that come across this episode and are looking for feedback or are open to it, I think it's important to share it. So here we are. So the pros, camping, hello. It's so great to camp, okay? It's not the most glamorous, it's not the most clean, okay? But it's great to just park your car, unload your stuff, set up your camp, and then experience. I never once had to think about an Uber. It didn't really bother me that I didn't have service, like that great of service. I didn't have to worry too much about coordinating with people or factoring in travel or transportation into my experience. And those things can be a little bit unpredictable and they can take away from the fun time, right? And so it's so nice to be able to camp and really just log off and just be experiencing as soon as your tent is set up. That's definitely a big pro. Another pro of camping specifically is that you get the pre-party on Friday, which is nice. You get, of course, the water park and all the other things. You get the silent disco, which is another wonderful feature of the campgrounds. Although this kind of worked into being one of my cons, the fact that Nocturnal ends so early, but we'll get to that in a minute. And uh, of course, just like the, the community that's in the campsite, it's a whole other part of the festival experience that you really get gypped out of if you choose to stay off site. 
Now, of course, if offsite is your only option, like do what you got to do. But if you have a plethora of options and you're able to plan or you're considering which one you should do, I highly recommend camping for this one. Next pro, uh, that it's small. This festival is relatively small and it's easy to navigate, which I love. The stages are in a row. If you stand at the top of the hill, you can see down the hill to all the stages and the rest of the festival. If you stand at the bottom hill, you can easily glance up and see the stages and the rest of the festival. It's very straightforward. I love that. I love that it's relatively easy to walk through. Yeah, you have a little elevation, a little terrain, but if you wear the right shoes, you're good. It's set up well. They they utilize the space well, and it's just a nice place to enjoy a festival, so I really like that. Great variety of music is another pro. Like I mentioned before, there was something for everyone, and I was happy with that. There was enough variety to keep me happy and moving through things at the night, but it wasn't so much variety that I felt like I was overwhelmed with choice. So next pro, you can take your drink anywhere, which is so nice. And a second part of this pro is that no one hassles you. Like once you're checked in at the campground, either your car is searched for car camping or RV camping, or you know your stuff is searched when you come in, that's really it. Like unless you seek out additional aid or help or instruction, there's plenty of personnel, safety personnel, directional personnel, festival personnel around, but you're not, it doesn't feel like a, a damper on your time and it doesn't feel like an infringement upon your experience, which I really love. Of course, part of that is taking your drink wherever. I was never hassled about that. I was able to take my drink into the silent disco. I was able to take my drink into yoga. I was able to just take my drink around with me and the rest of my stuff, and that was really nice. Of course, you can't take your drink into the festival, but you know, at the festival, they sell alcohol, so it's fine. Now, of course, if you're under 21, well, everyone really is encouraged to carry their ID in the event that they are carded by police officers or festival personnel, like, duh. Um, So be mindful of that. But if you're, of course, of age and are legally allowed to have alcohol and just walk around and enjoy yourself, you can totally do that. And I really liked that. There aren't any separated areas or restrictions that make it complicated. And I appreciate that about this festival. Next up is the weather. This festival has great weather. Yes, it gets a a teensy bit hot at the highest point of the day, sure. And it can get windy and cold in the, the, the after hour hours, sure. But for the most part, it's very easy. I didn't feel like I had to pack so many things to cover my basis and and fluctuating weather. There was a sprinkle of rain uh, at the end of day zero going into day one. And out of my five years of attending this festival, that's the first time that that's happened. But it was very minor, very short, and it didn't show up after that. So, And that, I would say, is really reliable and consistent for this festival. So I love that. I don't have to go out of my way to, to get a warmer sleeping bag or to pack extra things like it's just it's nice when weather is consistent and it's easy to enjoy and that's a huge pro of this festival next pro this is a fully immersive experience especially if you camp it's fully immersive because like i mentioned you can come pitch your tent and then now you're here so you're kind of within the festival vibe and you never leave it until monday morning and i love that i love being fully immersed i love not having to 
break out of my festival vibes for any reason. Like I mentioned, when you're staying in a hotel, right? You're having to coordinate navigation, coordinate with other people, get to and from, all of that, have your wits about you, that kind of thing. Of course, always have your wits about you, but it's just, it's a nice relaxed experience. Kind of like when you stay at a resort and like everything you need is on site. Sure, you can go off site if you need something, but really everything you need is where you're staying and it's just another level of not having to worry about stuff which i appreciate and as someone who's the planner and the rave mom and the responsible one i love when something is fully immersive and i can kind of relax into the experience so that's definitely a plus for me next plus great vibes like i mentioned edm community is awesome always you definitely experience that culture in the campgrounds kindness respect, unity, all of that stuff. Love that. And there's great vibes at the festival, great vibes all around. It's just a very cool group of people, uh, you know, people who are in the scene enough to commit to a camping festival, but not so committed to the party and the wildness that it gets crazy. Although that's there if you want it for sure, but it, it generally is a nice balance and it's it's super welcoming and easy to be a part of this festival is a great value my last pro so tickets at their highest tier retail for 189 for a two-day ticket and your lowest entry level option for camping would be regular tent camping which is 260 for a spot that comes out to 449 not including fees and know that you can split your tent cost with three other people so for 449, you could be have your ticket and have your campsite and be good to go. Obviously, this doesn't include food, drinks, outfits, all the other things. But for that value for three nights of, of camp and partying and all of that, I think that's really great. EDC checks in at 450 just for your GA level ticket, and that doesn't include anything else. Now, of course, EDC is four nights of camping or four or I guess three nights of partying if you're staying in a hotel four nights of partying if you're staying at a camp but i mean just to kind of compare the two and the value i feel that the value really does align with this festival if not come up a little bit over what you pay of course everything is what you make it and how you plan but especially if you're splitting that tent cost with people that's going to be way less than the cost of a, a hotel for that same weekend you know so I think that that's a really great value and your girl loves a deal, okay? Especially when I feel like I'm getting a deal in the festival space because when does that ever happen? So thumbs up for me. Now moving on, wrapping up with the cons very quickly. Con of this festival is that it ends at midnight and I completely understand why. A couple years ago, it used to end at 2 a.m., just like most insomniac raves and festivals in California, (laughs) but the city of Glen Helen or the surrounding neighboring people of Glen Helen Reserve complained about it. They were not happy that, you know, things were getting wild and crazy in their quiet little mountain town. And so they actually ended Nocturnal at Glen Helen and they didn't have it for a few years. Or, or maybe they had it and it was at the Nas or something. There was a few ghost years. Something happened because of that. And so I guess they were able to approach Glen Helen again and reformat their contract and a part of that was ending at midnight. Now they make up for this with the silent disco and the silent disco goes from midnight to three in the morning but you have to be a part of camp in order to experience that. I find that 
I like to enjoy the day at camp. And of course, as the festival days continue, you get tired and you start getting ready later and later. So I find that if you get in at seven or eight, it's just way too short versus like if you get in at seven or eight at a regular festival schedule you still have till two in the morning you know that's like what six hours or something so that feels a little bit more complete now again like i mentioned you have silent disco but it's the silent disco is not the same you know as it being in front of the stage obviously and doing that whole thing um so I, i put that as a con i completely understand that that's how it has to be but for me personally and i think for a lot of other people 12 a.m does feel early Another con is that there's only one DJ at a time in the silent disco. And I totally think, especially because it's a silent disco and the headphones are, have the capability for it, they could absolutely at least have two. They could have two art carts on opposite ends with two different mini lineups and, you know, go crazy. Because we had an experience on, I think, Friday night, Saturday night, one of the nights where it was an hour and a half of one DJ, like one hard style DJ, and we were just like not at that energy level to be doing hard style for 90 minutes. Like, what do you mean? So if the music at the silent disco is not your vibe, you're kind of SOL and that sucks because that's really the only option with music available. Otherwise, you can seek out some little campsite parties or Camp OG, which is not something I mentioned. I forgot to mention, but over in the RV camp, they have their own little Camp OG and that has a little setup. It's a very mini setup, but it's a cool place where we can vibe out to music. It has lots of glow decorations and glow paint, and it's a cool little hidden gem. Wasn't really my type of music, but they do play the music audibly. It's not silent like the disco. However, it's it's pretty far from where the silent disco is at. And if you don't know how to get there, or how to navigate, it could be a little bit hard to find. So my con here, like I said, is that I definitely think they could add another DJ for the silent disco so people could have two channels to listen to and just more options available in that little space. Next con is that there is no alcohol sold at camp. I'm not super big on alcohol. Like, it's just not really my vibe. You know, I live the fit fam life. I'm, I'm just not, I'm kind of a lightweight. So it's just not really my thing. I love a cocktail though, for sure, to start my night to make me feel fancy. Okay, pinkies up. And uh, sometimes I maybe want to have a mimosa or maybe I want to start with a cocktail while I'm getting ready in my camp and then, you know, maybe have another drink in the festival like a few hours later, right? That's not really an option. The only alcohol you're allowed to bring into the campsite is something that's under 16% alcohol. So really only seltzers and beer. You can't bring anything in a glass bottle and you can't bring anything that's a higher alcohol level. So like hard alcohol, really. So that just leaves you with seltzer and beer. And while that's cool, like maybe, you know, you ran out of ice and your seltzers and beer are warm on day three or day two, or maybe, you know, whatever, right? Like it's just, it would be nice to have an option for alcohol. I I can understand why they don't. I'm sure it's just an extra thing that they have to moderate. And maybe because I mentioned it's so easy to be mobile with your alcohol, it's not something that they want to have to moderate more heavily so it's like if you're in the camp with your own alcohol you do you but if we're actually supplying and serving alcohol there's a whole other level of restrictions and policies that they have to be aware of and so i can understand why they don't do it however 
I do think that's a con, you know, for the party vibes and for the convenience. And so I had to mention it. Next up, there is no VIP for this festival. There's no camping VIP areas or VIP sold, nothing VIP, and there is no VIP tickets. It's all GA. You can get VIP in quotes if you're like camping in an RV or a tent camping. Like those are the more elevated versions of camping, but there's no actual VIP sections or VIP bathrooms or VIP anything. Like that's not a thing at this festival. Although I think they did a good job of upkeeping the restrooms and the showers and things like that, it would be nice, okay? Like I said, I like to have a mimosa and put my pinky up and feel a little bit fancy and VIP is a vibe, all right? I did a few VIP festivals this year. I liked it, what can I say? And it would be cool to have that option here. I understand, again, why they don't. It's pretty small, it works well as it is. Bada bing, bada boom. But for someone, maybe older ravers or raver who's, ravers who just have it like that or want it like that or want more options or really just want a elevated bathroom experience, which I could completely understand, that's not a thing. So just something to note. Next con, the sound was odd at Labyrinth. I already covered this when I mentioned the stages earlier on, but there's definitely something weird there happening. And had I not known where to go and how to stand and how to be there, uh, I would have totally chucked that stage off my list. So I, I wanted to mention it here. And then the last con here is that there, it, it seems like there were less food vendors than I remember in previous years in the actual festival. And there are four kind of rows on the outskirts of each stage. I, not each stage, but like, you know, the stages are in the center. And then on the outskirts of the festival, you find the bathrooms, you find the water refill stations, you find the med tent. And then, of course, you find the food and drink vendors. And it seemed like at each of those rows for every like five bars and, and tents, it was like one food vendor and maybe like one or two food trucks. And then, of course, the vegan options within that are slim to none. So that was a little frustrating. <laughs> uh, thankfully, there was Veggie Fam who was like solely vegan in the camp. But in the actual festival, the pickings for vegans were pretty slim. And usually Insomniac is relatively good about that. So that's just something to know. I'm not saying they didn't exist. I'm just saying the pickings were slim. And what was available was like not really doable. Like I'm not going to pay $17 for a fried rice hibachi bowl. Like, no, this is just a bowl of fried rice. Bye. Like, get out of my face. A small bowl at that, you know? There's tater tots. There's fries. I had a pretzel one day. That was my dinner. Not proud of it, but that was a situation. I think that was the only food I bought at, at, in the festival for that reason. So something I had to know. Overall, this is a 10 out of 10 festival for me. Obviously, not everything is perfect. I just listed the cons, but... I mean, the, the pros outweigh the cons significantly, and it really is just so special and so magical and so great. It's a great festival, so I, I recommend it. You're welcome to check out my other nocturnal content, check out the pics, check out the vibes if you want to plan it for next year. But overall, this is going to do it for my re recap and review. Thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with me. I'm happy to be back in action with you. Drop any feedback for me or rate and review this podcast if you have a sec. Let me know if you want me to go full festival here. <laughs> like full festival rebrand, all the things. If you've been enjoying the festy content, let me know because I may just pivot that way. So with all that being said, love you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening again. And I will talk to you all very soon. 
If you're taking away a little inspiration or wisdom from today's show, send it to a friend, post it on your socials, or leave a rating and review, all of which help to reach more listeners like you.